Coming up on This Week in Games, Twitch signs exclusivity deals, but from who? League of Legends is introducing in-game viewer-side advertisements, and Tencent takes a large stake in a Japanese publisher. Coming up, This Week in Games. It's that time of the week for your video game industry news and rundown. I'm your host, Eric McConnell, and it's a crazy time to be alive. Crazy time to live in a big city like SF or any other big city for that matter. Um, a lot of stuff is going on. That's not this podcast, though. I'm happy to bring you the much more simpler video game industry business news for your digestion. So let's kick it off. Twitch signs three more exclusivity deals. Jarrett Summit 1G Laser, Lazar, one of those. Brett Dakota's Hoffman and Josh Joshua D. Beaver are the latest streamers to sign multi-year exclusivity deals with streaming platform Twitch. This comes at a time where Amazon's Twitch, Google's YouTube, Facebook's, well, Facebook Gaming, and Microsoft's Mixer are all signing game streaming talent to multi-year and likely multi-million dollar deals. Loadit, or Loadit.gg, represents all three of these new signings of Twitch, and it's instrumental in stirring up these exclusivity deals. Now, let's look at who Loadit, like as a talent agency, owns. Loadit represents Ninja, Shroud, Lyric, and Munition, Summit 1G, Dakotas, Josh OG, Tim the Tape Man, and many, 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 many more. Some could go as far to say Loadit has orchestrated this entire streaming war from the beginning when Mixer was signing exclusivity talent, putting pressure on Twitch to lock up their biggest stars. I've read a few articles on, you know... We, these are all just rumors or, I don't know, accusations by pundits, whatever you want to say. However, it does look like Loadit represents <laughs> all the top streamers, and they're kind of pitting, you know, YouTube, Facebook, gaming, Mixer, and Twitch all against each other by using the streamers as kind of like pawns to sign all these crazy deals. It's a very interesting time, honestly. Uh, I don't know how much Loadit makes, but... Clearly, they've probably made a lot. Even 1% of all these deals is going to be a lot of money. Loadit has certainly loaded up during the talent war. <laughs> um, I watch Apple TV's show Mythic Quest. I'm sure a lot of you have as well. Well, in the show, one of the QA talents was tapped to become an influencer and stream the game in a positive light. They're like a MMORPG game. People in the stream chat started accusing the streamer of being a corporate shill. Um, and so on and so on. You guys have probably seen the scenes. However, I'm surprised that game companies aren't manufacturing streamers at this point and giving unparalleled access to their crop of streamers that they effectively own. Or maybe game companies like Epic are signing streamers to game exclusivities, like forcing Ninja to only stream Fortnite, or maybe forcing Ninja to stream Fortnite every weeknight from 6 to 8 p.m. or something like that. Uh, this game streaming to influencer marketing outlet is only the going to get more and more data mined, more and more strategized, and more and more manufactured from here out. Like, streamers can turn an indie game into a seven-figure hit, or collectively kill a game for being uncool is not as good as, as competitors. With this amount of money on the table, you know, this is maybe the most important thing for PC, console, games as a service companies like for their marketing departments getting streamers to play the game to like the game is probably the most important thing for that marketing department and so 
you know, again, with this amount of money on the table, I only expect game publisher marketing departments to start controlling the narrative more and more and doing things that put all the chips in their favor and none of the chips in, like, actual honest opinions of what the streamers think about the games. We'll have to see how this plays out. There's so much money in this. Um, Yeah. I mean, if you just look at, like, any of these streamers, you get three of them to play a game and say they love it, that could be worth... I don't know, $50 million, maybe more, right? And so, you know, with that amount of money on the table, you're definitely going to see companies like, you know, they're already forming their strategy around streamers, but you're going to see them actually saying, well, why am I going to let this like pump kid in wherever the hell he lives? Why am I going to let their opinion actually bring our company down? We need to put ourselves in a position where we know what the streamers are going to say and the streamers basically work for us. So, that's what I expect to come in the future. <laughs> All right, next up, League of Legends is inserting in-game ad banners for viewers of the eSport matches. So taking a card from the deck of physical sports profits, Riot announced that Summoner's Rift Arena banners will be branded with corporations such as MasterCard or Alienware. These banners will not be visible to the actual pro players playing, but only visible to the viewers watching. This has been implemented in physical sports for years. All right, let's go to the (laughs) pessimistic side. Honestly, I think uh, a huge advantage that Riot isn't taking advantage of is targeted advertising through this. So, you know, you're watching this on Twitch. It's linked to your Amazon account. Amazon knows how much money you spend. They know whether you're wealthy. They know whether you're looking to buy a new PC versus looking to buy a new credit card. So they can create an auction system similar to web advertisements like how Google and Facebook work, where companies can bid on per user basis to show their ads in the banners. Um, so if you've been searching for, you know, high-end computer parts, maybe Alienware pays a little more to show you the Alienware banner than the MasterCard banner. I know that sounds super ridiculous. Um I think MasterCard is treating it like a branding opportunity and probably wouldn't sign a deal if it meant competing with other advertisers on a per-user basis, but I could see other companies playing into this logic. Either way, it's a good move. Um, The way you should think about it is I've seen the banners in question. They're not obtrusive. It's not anything that I would say is like terrible. Um, Physical sports, again, have banners and digital ads inserted into the matches all the time. Um, No one really cares. And the more revenue Riot makes, there is some trickle down (laughs) economics, even though people, that word is like terrible. Um, There is some trickle down economics. So if Riot 2Xs their revenue, uh, players and teams would honestly make more money. So I think it's good all around. Um, I think it's a smart move. We'll have to see. We'll have to see where it goes from here. I I do think targeted ads. I think Twitch should think about selling an API for you to in-game banner advertise on a target user basis to your esport. That would be a very interesting problem for them to solve and a very interesting thing to do. I know Amazon's really trying to go hard into advertising. It's one of the few spaces where they're not even really a player um so could be a avenue for them to compete all right next up ronnie abowitz ceo of magic leap steps down so this comes after announcing last week a 350 million dollar venture round to save his company in a statement to employees abowitz basically said that the board and him agree that the company has outgrown his abilities in some sense abowitz started magic leap in 2011 
I'm pretty sure this surprises nobody and was likely in discussion for a long time. The last-minute fundraising to save the company was probably included this stipulation from current investors who re-contributed to that $350 million uh, company-saving fundraising round. The stipulation was like, he can't be the CEO anymore. Like, you know, this guy, I, I don't know what his technical abilities are. I don't know what exactly he did on Magic Leap. But from what I've read, it seems like he's a, a visionary and a very technical person, but not like the the Steve Jobs, like gonna turn a profit, gonna like run it from, you know, uh, a balance sheet kind of situation he's more like oh i created this amazing technology with my team we're going to create a company around this we're going to raise money everything's going to be awesome but the man can retire and say he raised three billion dollars and created a tech unicorn i i honestly i'm sure magic leaps worth a lot less than three billion they've uh raised but still come on you created magic leap that's great i think everyone is very interested to see where magic leap goes from here and the new CEO selection will be very interesting, too, because you have to look at Magic Leap's board. It's super deep. You know, like I said, they have Google, they have Anderson Horowitz, they have lots of lots of big players, well-known people on the board. That means that CEO selection is going to be like everyone's going to be on the Rolodex. You know, anyone, all those big players can all agree that this one person could actually return their investment money back. They're going to force that person in there. They're going to give them something enticing to go in there. So everyone's on the table. The board is super deep. Um, whoever the new CEO is selected, it's going to be very calculated, very smart. Um, I'm excited to see what happens. Maybe Magic Leap can turn it around, you know? Maybe. <laughs> I don't <laughs> Maybe. Uh, next up, EA re-ups their NFL and NFL PA agreement. So no surprise here. EA will continue continue to have access to the NFL and NFL Players Association until 2025. EA hopes to break away from just Madden offerings and offer more genres on more platforms that utilize the NFL license. Uh, other players in the space are Bitfry currently has a deal with the NFL PA for their like ultimate, their like thing of like all these sports stars mishmashing against each other. And Take-Two has a deal with the NFL to make non-simulation games, basically non-Madden comp titles. I actually predicted that Take-Two was going to try to do some kind of online gambling or some kind of fantasy sports game, but we'll have to see. I don't I don't think they've announced anything. I could have forgot. I do this show every week. Who knows? This barely qualifies as news. Nobody's going to blink an eye when Madden continues to grow in revenue year over year. Of course, the NFL and the players want that money. Uh, EA wants that money. It seems like no one's getting burnt. Makes perfect sense. All right, let's go to the business news. So the biggest business news this week. Tencent purchases a 20% stake in Japanese developer publisher Marvelous. So Marvelous is known for kind of this trio of games, uh, Story of Seasons, Harvest Moon, and Rune Factory. They're like all basically the same game. Um, uh <laughs> You know, Room Factory has a little more RPG and fighting. Harvest Moon is like, you know, farm simulator in a small town stories. The season is kind of like spiritual sequel to Harvest Moon. Um, Marvelous also publishers, publishes games based on the Fate anime series. Um, and Marvelous has tons of other games that they develop and publish on multiple platforms. In what is listed as a post-IPO equity round, Marvelous has sold 20% of their stake to Tencent for $65 million. Bloomberg reports that 11.45 million shares that Tencent purchased 
8.62 million were new shares and 2.83 million were from existing shareholders. Tencent will now become Marvelous's largest shareholder. So what do we've all learned from listening to this podcast over the years? This is what Tencent uh, is kind of known for. Tencent worked with Marvelous on releasing Chinese versions of Story of Seasons games. Uh, classic Tencent form a partnership with the company. See how releasing partner games in China goes. If those go well, invest in said company and then watch the books of the company from the inside. If the books look really good, the company operates really good. Tencent will then go on to purchase a much bigger stake or purchase the company outright. You know, there's no stopping this investment machine. It's even more scary is like more scary than watching Tencent do this, I would say is what is the argument against working with Tencent? Because I can't think of one at this point. Almost everything Tencent touches turns to gold, and there couldn't be a better partner for releasing your game in China if you really want to go into that market. Um, if Tencent starts producing industry-leading IP themselves, the game industry will effectively be solved because Tencent you know, has figured out how to run everything and dominate every aspect of it, kind of similar to Amazon and retail. Whew. Keep going, Tencent. <laughs> All right, next up, Tencent's rival, NetEase, is going towards dual listing as they plan to offer a second listing on the Hong Kong Stock Exchange. So NetEase is listed, I believe, on the New York Stock Exchange or the NASDAQ, one of those two. Um, but they're going to do a second listing on the Hong Kong Stock Exchange. Why, you ask? Well, let's give a little backstory. Luckin Coffee has become the latest Chinese firm accused of stealing U.S. investors' money as reports of fake customers, fake employees, and fabricated $42 million in fake sales um, after have emerged after their IPO in May of 2019. There's an entire documentary on this kind of like Chinese uh, reverse merger where Chinese firms can you know, basically list themselves in the New York Stock Exchange and no one can stop them through this like reverse merger technique. There's a documentary on this uh, called The China Hustle made by the people who made Enron the smartest guys in the room. I recommend you checking that out if you find this topic interesting at all. This has spawned more talks of regulating Chinese firms listed on the U.S. Stock Exchanges, such as the New York Stock Exchange or the NASDAQ. I know right now they're talking about doing only letting firms in where they investigate that the firm has no ties to the actual government and the government has no implications on the firm hard hard to really investigate or regulate netease is hedging its bets by offering a second listing on the hong kong stock exchange as economic tensions grow between the u.s and china ceo william ding stated in the later letter to shareholders quote i believe that returning to a market that's closer to our roots will further fuel our passion in our business and our users, end quote. Now I had to look up some information on dual listings. Uh, I thought this was like a little crazy, but actually it's somewhat common for multinationals, uh, multinational companies to list on two different stock exchanges. Generally, they list on a domestic exchange and they do one listing on exchange in their major market or one of their major markets. So for NetEase to have a listing on, the, on a New York exchange and on a Hong Kong exchange actually isn't crazy and it isn't something that like, oh my God, what are they doing? Or this has never happened before. In this instance, it's not an unprecedented move out of nowhere for NetEase. I actually think this may be less to do with US-Chinese tension and more to do with liquidity and having a domestic presence. You know, it allows them to then have two markets to tap for fundraising 
two markets tap for liquidity. It gets their stock moving around more, um, allows current investors to divest. Uh, it's just a lot of tools open up to them by doing this. So it's not crazy, and I really don't think it's as politically fueled as a lot of the articles that I read would kind of like point to. All right, last story of the day. Last story. Carrier First raises $2.5 million in a third seed round. All right, Carrier First is an African mobile game startup that's based in Cape Town, South Africa. This brings their total fundraising to $4 million during kind of like an extended seed round. CEO Robin Coker is quoted on GameIndustry.biz stating, quote, our mission is to bring this world of interactive content to Africa and likewise connect Africa to the, to the world. Our belief is building is that building a local publisher with differentiated tech and operating capabilities across market distribution and monetization is a way to be this bridge, end quote. Yeah, I think Africa has honestly unlimited potential when it comes to mobile gaming growth, and I'm really excited to see fundraising at this level come to the continent. However, I think it's always funny when even people from Africa talk about Africa like it's like one solid country, you know, so many different fragmented markets. That's the struggle with Africa, right? It's like you have a couple of really dominant markets and then you have a couple of like markets that likely won't even have access to phones that could play social mobile games or maybe aren't in the same kind of like cultural setting where uh, things like social gaming or even like social networks have taken off. But yeah, for sure, like South Africa and a few other markets, I I don't understand why they don't have a larger presence in games, especially because a lot of games represent different parts of Africa or take from Africa, you know, to expressing parts of the game. Um, Lots of games are set in Africa. Africa, it's now time for like a lot of African countries and then take their culture and share it to the rest of the world. And I think video games are probably the best setting to do it. So congrats. All right, that's it for this week in games. If you like what you hear, please hit the subscribe button on your favorite podcast app. Also leave a comment and let me know how I'm doing. You can email me at eric at thisweekingames.com if you have any comments or suggestions on future stories. Lastly, Please check the show notes for any stories you heard on today's episode. I linked the articles that I got them from and all the information that I got uh, from different links and whatnot. And uh, I hope everyone stays safe. Let's keep our spirits high. And, uh, you know, whatever struggles are going on in the world, I think the game industry can be a mirror to reflect and educate society based on those struggles. So... I'm hoping that, you know, everything we're facing today can maybe be a spark of creativity or an outlet for expressing yourself to other people and bringing the world together and showing people different perspectives through games. So let's all do that. And I'll see you guys next week. Take care.